Hey, my name is Jason Byler. I'm the pastor of Life Change Church. Thank you so much for checking out our podcasts. I believe that if you'll listen to them, uh, that you will be blessed. Mark 4 tells us that the Word of God uh, planted down inside of our hearts uh, can bring forth a rich, beautiful, abundant harvest in our lives. This is my desire uh, for you. Uh, so as you listen to the Word, just receive it. Let it get down in your heart. Bring forth a harvest. Thank you so much again for listening. God bless you. Amen, amen. I always want to receive it. Yes. Praise the Lord. I receive the blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Um, as Joyce said, we are coming up on Christmas. Isn't that amazing? And uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but there is a war against Christmas uh, in this uh, times that we live and in all these times, this uh, anti-Christ uh, lawless spirit uh, coming against everything that is Jesus, uh, and one of the things is Christmas, uh, and also Easter uh, comes uh, under attack, and uh, we want to make sure uh, that, uh, uh, that we uh, celebrate Christmas, that we celebrate uh, Jesus, that we go all out, uh, and as Joy said, I kind of am stirred up a little more than ever uh, to do it uh, this year. So you, you decorate and you uh, celebrate and you uh, dress up and make sure you come to church and we are going to celebrate Jesus. We are going to celebrate uh, Christmas uh, and, uh, and we're going to do that by decorating. So please come and help us uh, to do that because she usually says it, but she didn't say it. Many hands make like work, yes, very good. Isn't that true? Mm. Yes. Next Sunday, I'm going to uh, start a a Christmas themed uh, series that'll carry us through uh, the Christmas season, thinking and praying about a couple of different things. So I'll let the let the Lord uh, lead me, and then try to tell you more about uh, what we're going to do. What we're going to do. Uh, there, uh, but excited about uh, this Christmas season, and so thankful uh, for the opportunity uh, because of the calendar uh, to make Jesus uh, front and center uh, and to worship him and to exalt him and to uh, celebrate him and to uh, proclaim him uh, this morning. What I would like to do uh, is to from scripture uh, just show you. Uh, what's going on in our times? What's going on in our America? What is going on uh, in our in our culture? Um, it is so funny to me uh, how there are there are those who think that the Bible uh, is an ancient book and therefore no longer relevant. Uh, this morning, I think you see how the uh, how the Bible speaks to exactly uh, where we are, uh, how it is uh, more relevant than it has ever uh, been. Uh, how many of you know that the Word of God is living and active? It, 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 it's not uh, aging and past and and over and done and dead. It is alive uh, and and well. Uh, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ uh, is is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And His Word is relevant today. And and we see from Scripture uh, very clearly uh, what is going on in our culture, in our America. And we also see uh, from Scripture why uh, this is taking place. And then, and then we, uh, one of the troubling things to me is that the reason why this is taking place is getting into the church 
Uh, so we we got to get we got to get ourselves right and not allow this to happen in our lives because what is happening that is leading to the what is taking place in our culture uh, should not happen to the believer it should not happen uh, to the christian now so let me remind you uh, this morning uh, of uh, of second chronicles 7:14 i know you know it well Sure, you probably have it memorized. Uh, I know that I do. Uh, we can throw it up there, but who really needs to look at it, right? It says, "If this is God speaking," and He says, "If uh, my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn." from their wicked ways, turn from wickedness, then God says, then I will hear from heaven and I will come and heal their land. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Isn't it a powerful scripture? I love scriptures with promises. I'm reminded that in Christ Jesus, all of God's promises are yes and amen, that for those of us who have fled to Jesus to take hold of him, and he is Lord and Savior, all of God's promises, and they are many, are yes for us. They are true for us. So this Second Chronicles 7.14 is yes and amen for us. And it reminds us of some powerful truth that we need to hear before we move any further this morning. I know I've been, I've been saying this, but I, I'm so stirred to continue to say it because we as the people of God cannot forget who we are. We've got to remember that we are the people of God. We are not the people of this world, right? We are, First Peter says that we are aliens and strangers in this world. We are the people of God. Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 11, in, in talking about the great heroes of the faith, said that they recognized that this was not their home and that they were looking for another home. They recognized that they were aliens and strangers here. They recognized that they're not people of this earth, that they're not people of this world, that they are the people of God. Listen to me today. There's a call of God on your life. Listen to me. If you're watching online, listening on the podcast, you are not of this world. You are the people of God. We are the people of God. We are called by His name. Here's the differences, right? We are not lovers of this world or the things of this world. We are lovers of God and the things of God. We do not hold to or live by the mindset and the thinking, the pattern, the false truth of this world. We have abandoned that to lay hold of the unsearchable riches of the wisdom of God. We are those who believe and live by the word of God. We are not people of this world. We are the people of God. And there's a call of God on our lives. And it looks like this. Listen to me. It's very simple, yet so very powerful. Yet we have abandoned this in the church and we have got to come back to it. The trouble with the lukewarm church is that it's a deceived church. The lukewarm church in Revelation 3 is a deceived church. They believe everything's okay, and I'm okay, and Jesus says it's not. I don't know why I'm so wound up. Praise Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Jesus says it's not. He says, you think it's all right? He says, but you don't realize. You don't realize because you're deceived. You don't realize. And, and just not you. I'm not talking about you. I say that honestly. I'm not talking about you. But I'm talking about the church in America is a lukewarm church. When less than 18% can pull themselves up out of bed and faithfully come to church on Sunday morning, that is a lukewarm church. And we better get fired up and we better get passionate because we live in a land that is in need of the healing touch of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We need a healing in our land. Everything is not okay. We need God to move. And it's not the Democrats that are going to heal it. Certainly not. It could possibly be the Republicans, but probably not. It's certainly not anything that this world has to offer. But the church, the blood-bought people of God, we can do something in our land to change it and to shift it. God said there could be a healing. He said, I'll heal from heaven. I'll hear from heaven and come and heal your land. He said, if my people who are called by my name, here's what we're to do. We are to humble ourselves. There's a call of God on our lives to humility. There's a call of God on our lives to pray. There's a call of God on our lives to seek his face, to be in relationship with him. And, and, and those are all okay, but nobody likes to talk about this last one. There's a call of God on the people of God to righteousness and not wickedness. He says to, he says to turn away from our wickedness. We are not called of God to live in sin. We are not called of God to be wicked. We are called of God to abandon that and to live righteous in Him, for Him, through Him, by Him, and in Him we are the righteousness of God. Do you think Jesus uh, taking the, his righteousness and clothing us in it has no effect on our lives? Are we, are we, are we, uh, are we like, like the, the false prophets in Matthew 7? Uh, they, are, they are wolves clothed in, in sheep's clothing. Are we that? Or are we, when we are clothed with Christ, transformed by him into his righteousness so that we abandon wickedness and walk and live in righteousness? We, the people of God, have got to humble ourselves. We've got to pray. We've got to seek his face. And we have got to turn from wickedness. I'm not shocked or surprised when I see wickedness in the world. I recognize that that will be. But I am a little shocked and surprised and taken off guard when it comes inside the church and is applauded. Yay, yay, wickedness. Look at you, you sinner. You're, you're staying in your sin. You're living in it. You're living wickedly. It's just so wonderful. It's so good. No. No, no, no. And that is where we find in Psalms a pretty good description of what's taking place in our culture. Psalms, Psalm chapter 12, man, the, I've been reading, I mean, I always do, but lately the Psalms have just, have just really kind of shocked me at, at how prophetic they are in, in just showing what is taking place in the times that we are in. I want to look first, Dave, at, at, a, at Psalm 12, verse 8, at that last 
that last verse, and I'm going to read this to you uh, in the old NIV uh, version. So if you're looking at it in the, in the new NIV, it's going to be, it's going to be a little different. I, I like the old, maybe it's just because I grew up on it, but I, but I like it. But I'd encourage you to just look through Psalm 12 and, and check out the King James, the uh, Amplified, the New King James, the uh, American Standard, New American Standard. Check out all those. Read through this and see how this psalm just uh, speaks to it for what's taking place in our culture and the reason uh, why, uh, and in uncovering the reason why, we can recognize what we as the people of God need to not let happen uh, in our lives. This is Psalm 12, verse 8. It says, The wicked uh, freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. So here David recognizes that, there's, that there is a time when, uh, when what is wicked when what, is, when what is evil, when what is vile, will, will shift, it'll change, and it will become honored by men. Instead of being recognized as, as vile and, and destructive and evil, and, and wickedness, instead of being recognized as wickedness, will be honored. It will be applauded. It will be praised. It will be uh, exalted. I think that's what the, the King James changes this to, uh, to exalted. What is, what is vile is exalted uh, among men, among uh, mankind, among, uh, among the, the earth, among uh, the people. We have seen this this has taken place in our uh, culture to where what is vile, you see how relevant this book is? This speaks right to our times. To what, is, what we see now, what is vile has become honored. And when that happens, there's a shift that takes place. What should be, what should be exalted and applauded and honored has shifted to becoming vile. It, it, it's... it's, it's there's been this whole shift and change, so what's vile is now honored. What should be honored has now become vile. And this didn't happen overnight. This has been, this has been taking place. It may, it may seem now that it's like, whoa, when did this happen? But this has been happening slowly for quite some time. The, uh, the progression of it, is, it has been that... Uh, what was vile uh, all of a sudden became, you know, you would hear, I can remember 20 years ago, you know, standing against some things and people would say, eh, it's no big deal. You know, really? Is it that? Come on. It's no big deal. Christians would. They'd say, you know, I'm like, why are you watching that? It's got this. And they'd be like, it's funny. It's funny. It's no big deal. Right? So, so what was vile, the, like the first progression of it became no big deal. It's, it's not that big a deal. I think you're blowing this way out of portion. Pastors would stand against it and people would roll their eyes and be like, oh, he's a pastor. He's a little crazy. You know? and, and it became no big deal. And then it shifted from no big deal uh, to, to not honored, but it was okay. It's okay. And we can stamp okays on it. We stamp okay signs on everything. This is okay. This is okay. This is okay. That's okay. It's okay. And, and so what was no big deal is now, is now okay. It's fine. It, it, it's, it's progressed, and so now what has happened is what has moved from uh, what, what was vile, now moved to no big deal, now moved to okay, has now shifted to where it's praised, it's honored, it's exalted, it's lifted up. People are clapping their hands. Yeah, man. Woo! Look at you. That's amazing. But what, what, what David points out for us here is that when 
this takes place, what is, what is vile is honored among mankind. That when this happens, this is, this is why this is scary. When this happens, what does he say? The wicked freely strut about. That when what is vile becomes honored takes place, that the wicked come out, for, come out of the darkness. They come out of the shadows. They come out of their hiding and they freely strut about. And what, what that means, when the wicked freely strut about, why are they called the wicked? Because of wickedness. They're, they're, they're wicked because uh, their lives are full of wickedness. Right? Why are the righteous called the righteous? Because they're walking and living in righteousness. Why are the wicked called the wicked? Because they're walking and moving in wickedness. Right? I, I can already hear, like, you know, you know, not your thoughts, but, but maybe others who would listen to this, like our culture's response to this is, 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 is there wickedness? Is there righteousness? Is there, is there wickedness? What happens when what is vile is honored among men? Is the wicked freely strut about? So when the wicked freely strut about, what that means is that wickedness is released. That wickedness just freely comes into an environment, just freely is released on a culture. It is no longer restrained. It is no longer held back. And, and the reason that's trouble is because wickedness is destructive. Wickedness steals, kills, and devours. Wickedness destroys everywhere it goes. Wickedness brings destruction and death all around it. You ought to do you a little study. I, I did it, but I don't have time to go through it this morning. Otherwise, you know, you guys would all, uh, you know, be worn out if we, just, if we just went through and looked at Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture of somebody who is doing vile things called wicked. They called them, they called them wicked because they were doing vile things, things that in our culture are now applauded, honored, and Exalted. You know what it says about the, you know what Genesis says about the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah? It says the men of that culture were, it says they were wicked. You know what it says about Eli's two sons who, who were dishonoring the Lord by stealing his offerings and uh, sleeping with the women at the gates? You know what it says about Eli's two sons who had no concern for God? That's what it says about them. It says they were wicked. They had no desire for the Lord, no concern for the Lord, no honoring of the Lord. It called them wicked. And I could go on and on and on talking to you about the wickedness and about what wickedness does and identifying for you uh, the wicked. Like a great, a great contrast is to read Proverbs 11. Go through there and read as Proverbs 11 talks about wickedness and righteousness and contrasts them. And in Proverbs 11, it says, it says that when the righteous reign, the city rejoices. And when the, and when, and, and, and the city is exalted and honored and, and prosperous, but when uh, the wicked uh, come up, they bring destruction to the city. They bring destruction to uh, the land. We don't want to, if we're honest, right? We don't want to live in a land where what is vile is honored and wickedness is freely running about. Right? That, that makes us, when, when you see that happen, watch and see if gun, gun sales don't go up. Right? People will start buying guns because wickedness is freely uh, strutting about because it's so uh, destructive. This is what's taking place in our America 
This is what is taking place in our culture. What is vile is honored, and that releases wickedness. And wickedness, if not restrained, when wickedness is released, freedom goes. And prosperity leaves. Freedom is, is, is gone. Prosperity is gone. We need to pray. I'm not trying to scare anybody this morning, but, but I'm just trying to stir us. God's people called by his name. We gotta humble ourselves and we gotta pray. We've gotta seek his face and, and we have got to turn from wickedness. We can't fall into this trap of, of honoring what is wicked and evil and destructive and vile. Now, in this same psalm, we, we are given the reason why this uh, takes place, the reason why uh, this happens. And I wanna I want to show it to you. I'm going to start. All the, I'm going to start back at verse one. I was going to say all the way back at verse one, but it's you know it's only eight verses, so it's not not like all the way back at verse one. <clears throat> this is great. This is this is David, you know, recognizing this, and and he starts out and he says, "Help, Lord, for the un, for the godly are no more; the faithful have vanished." From among men, that is a that is a a, a powerful uh, prayer, and we kind of said that uh, this morning in our song, Hosanna, save us, Lord, uh, help us, Lord. Anybody been praying that uh, lately? Uh, things stirred up, and you just been like, I don't even really know what to pray, Lord, but I know we need some help. Help us, Lord. And we're not we're not we're not a a deceived people who think that we can handle all of these things on our own. We're crying out to the Lord for some help. And when we when you know when you start surveying the land and it looks like the godly are no more. I read this and and I, I just felt quickened by the Holy Spirit that that uh, that I was reminded of Elijah and how how sorrowful and in despair he had gotten, he had fallen into when he thought that the godly were no more. And God spoke to him and said, hey, hey man, lift up your head a little bit, be encouraged. There are 7,000 that I have set apart, a remnant for myself, who still call on the name of the Lord. So, so there are those of us who have put our trust in the Lord, but there is a shift that has taken place and the godly are not as many as they used to be in our culture. And we need to cry out to the Lord for help. The, the faithful have vanished from among men. We see, we see faithfulness going away. There is much evidence of that. We'll get into that another time. Verse 2. Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. You see lies and, and deception. How many of you ever wonder uh, when you're dealing with people if they're telling you the truth or not? Right? Because telling the truth is not a big deal uh, anymore. Everybody lies to their neighbor. Uh, everybody speaks with deception. Verse 3. May the Lord cut off, cut all uh, flattering lips and every the boastful tongue that says, listen to this. This is the, this is the key to this. This is so, this is so powerful. Says, that says, Listen, we will triumph with our tongues. We own our lips. Who is our master? What a statement. This is what, this is what the ungodly from their hearts say. And when this is said, 
and it is said by a culture. What happens is what is vile becomes honored, and the wicked freely strut about. This is taking place in our America. They are saying, many are saying, this is, this is the Antichrist uh, spirit, the spirit of lawlessness, that we will triumph, we will be victorious, we will succeed with our own mouths. And they declare, we own our mouths. Who is our master? My mouth is my own, my words are my own. What I say is, is brings about victory. What I say is truth. What I say will take place. What I say will happen. What I say goes. I own my own lips. How scary and destructive is that? I was watching TV last night and there was a, a talk show host uh, who, was, who was honored uh, in, in, a, in a way, applauded in a way for this right here, for owning their own lips, for triumphing with their tongues. They, they kind of applauded and said, you know, you, you speak your truth, girl. That's what they said. You speak your truth. You do it. But they didn't say his truth. Did you catch the difference? Or, or, or not even truth. They said, you speak your truth. Out of your mouth is what they're saying comes truth. Isn't that the idea in our culture? That, that what I declare to be true is true. And what you declare to be true is true. Which doesn't make any sense, does it? Right, how can what I declare to be true, true? And what you declare to be true, true. When we're declaring different truths, how can they both be true? If everybody owns their own lips and everybody can declare their truth, it's how can everybody do that? It doesn't even make any sense, but this is what takes place and it's honored. So they said, they said, you speak your truth. You go, you do it. You speak your truth. But as Christians, this is not the call of God on our lives, is it? We no longer own our lips. We have surrendered our mouths to God. And we don't declare our truth. We declare His truth. And His truth is truth. Every other truth is false truth. This, is, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, which we'll, we'll go to in just a second. But let's continue uh, reading because it's so interesting what follows this. Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. So here, here the Lord speaks. And when the Lord speaks, the Lord speaks truth. He says, I will protect them from those who malign them. And then he says, and the words of the Lord are flawless. Like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. You see, you see, our mouths, we can proclaim all kinds of things, but, but when we own our mouths and we speak our truth, right? If I'm speaking Jason's truth, then it's full of holes and it's full of 
full of flaws, and it's full of deception, and it's, it's full of faults. It's not even anywhere close to real. And, 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 and if a whole culture continues to, to speak their own truth, if we own our mouths, we are our masters, what we say is right, what we say is good, what we say is true, what we say is acceptable, then what a culture can do is they can look at what is actually vile and call it good and right and just and true and applaud it and honor it when it's actually vile and evil and wicked and deceptive and destructive. But God's Word, God's Word is true. God's Word is flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. God's Word is living and active. God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God's Word is good for teaching, training, reproof, instruction, guidance. We, the people of God, don't live by the words of others. We certainly don't live by our own truth. We have, we have recognized this reality. We have recognized the truth that what I say is nonsense. Can I say that? Without any offense, your truth is nonsense if it doesn't line up with God's truth. Your words are flawed. Your words are deceptive. Your words are, 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 are what, what does it say? God's words, God's thoughts and His attitudes and words are, are like the heavens are above the earth, higher than ours. But God's words are flawless. And I recognize this. My words are nonsense and flawed and lacking and weak. And God's word is flawless and living and active and timeless And his word goes out from his mouth and accomplishes what he said it would accomplish. It doesn't return to him void. It completes what he said it would complete. God's word is spoken. When I recognize God's word and my word, and and as as a believer in Jesus, I lay down my mouth. I surrender my mouth. I give God my words and I embrace the, the, the flawless word of God that is like silver refined in a furnace of clay purified seven times. These are the words of the Lord. Verse 7 brings us into this. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? It reminds us uh, that, that there will be a forever day when wickedness has been dealt with and righteousness forever reigns. The wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among men. This is what happens when a culture says, we own our mouths. Who is Who is our master? I am my master. I speak my own truth. This deception goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 in the Garden of Eden. I want you to to recognize this. I know you are are familiar with this. Genesis uh, chapter uh, 3 in the 
in the garden, Adam has Adam uh, and Eve uh, have have been given the Garden of Eden to care for. They have been given everything to enjoy. Every river, every fruit tree, except for one tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God set that tree there and He said, don't eat from this tree. Also in the garden is the tree of life. He didn't tell them they couldn't eat from that God wants for us life. He wants for us abundant life. He told them, you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there in the garden, with all the fruit of the garden, caring for the garden as God called them to care for the garden, Adam and Eve were together with one another, and they were naked, and they felt no shame. And they were together with the Lord and naked, and felt no shame. And they, and they enjoyed wonderful, sweet fellowship with one another, wonderful, nourishing, life-giving relationship with one another, enjoyed all the fruits of the garden, and they enjoyed walks with the Lord. Couldn't you just see them coming together? And walking with the Lord in the cool of the day, enjoying sweet, wonderful, beautiful relationship with the Lord. And all of this taking place as long as they leave the tree of the knowledge of good and evil alone. As long as they let that be God's tree, let that be for Him and Him alone, and they just have relationship with Him, and relationship with one another, and as long as they have that beautiful relationship with one another and with God, they are feeling no shame. There is nothing but wonderful relationship with one another and wonderful relationship with God. And, and as they, can you just see as they walk with the Lord in the garden and have relationship with Him, can't you just see God? speaking to them of truth, of wisdom, of His ways, of His thoughts, and and them just learning from the Word of God, learning from the Holy Spirit. But then one day, in Genesis 3 verse 1, the serpent comes along, who was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Now we remember this serpent. We should anyway. We see him again all the way over in Revelation chapter 12 as he appears as an enormous red dragon. And in Revelation 12:9, he is described as this same serpent. That serpent, that ancient serpent that deceived Eve and led her astray. That ancient serpent, remember what it says about the serpent. It says that he is Satan, the devil. You can go look up Revelation 12, 9. That he is Satan, the devil, that ancient serpent. What does it say about him? It says, who has led the whole world astray. That he deceives and leads the whole world astray. And so much so that what takes place is that what is vile all of a sudden becomes honored. 
that what is wicked and evil and vile and destructive and clearly so to those who can see becomes honored among men, becomes honored among mankind so that they are destroyed, which is his purpose, right? He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And he knows how to make that happen. So he leads the whole world astray to honor what should be vile and opposed, honor and exalt what steals, kills, and destroys their very lives. So it is, it is wickedness that is being honored and applauded and exalted Why it is destroying them. It's stealing and killing and devouring everything. And they're like, yes, it's so good. It's so beautiful. This is the deceptiveness of this servant. Honor it. It's killing us. Honor it. It's stealing everything from us. Honor it. It's destroying our lives. Honor it. Exalt it. So deceptive is this serpent that he leads the whole world astray so that they believe in and embrace and love and honor and exalt the very thing that kills them. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Eve, who, who by the way is a woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? What is he doing now? All of a sudden, right? He's, he, what, is, what is he sowing? He's sowing doubt in what? God's word. That's right. Sowing doubt in God's word. All of a sudden, he's creating doubt in the word of God. Sowing a seed in the Eve's life to think, maybe the word of God isn't exactly right. Maybe the word of God isn't exactly true. Maybe God didn't really mean it how he said it. Or maybe God's got some weird, crazy, deceptive agenda of his own. Did God really say, you must not eat from the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. And God did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. He didn't say they couldn't touch it, uh, but you know Eve added that in. But he did say you must not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, or you will surely die. And, and not touching it was probably a good idea. Right? They should have probably built a big old wall around it so they couldn't ever see it anymore and, and move to the other side of the garden. Now, here's what the serpent says. Like, I, I, I like so like want to do that, that snake from, from Jungle Book, you know? Can't you just see him come weaving in on, in, in that music? Trust in me. Trust in me. And, and, and this is what he's doing. Trust me. Trust me. And he does his little snake voice. I can't get it right now in my head, otherwise I'd, I'd give it to you. And he's like a little tongue coming out. Trust me. Trust in me. It's, don't worry, I'm not going to eat you. I'm not here to devour you. You can trust me. You're a snake. You're a serpent. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, uh, Adam, uh, by the way, it was a man, who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So here, the devil, the serpent, that destructive red dragon, that ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray, it comes and he deceives Eve. And, and what is the deception? The deception is, if you eat of this, you can now decide what is good and what is evil. God's holding this all to himself. He's keeping this wisdom away from you. But if you eat of this, Eve, you will own your mouth. And you can walk through the garden all by yourself. And you can call something good and it'll be good. And you can call something evil, and it will be evil. Now, all of a sudden, Eve, you own your mouth. You become your master. You decide what is true. You speak your truth, girl. Do it. Come on. Speak your truth. And Eve looks and sees that this is good for food, it's desirable, and she wants to be her master. She wants to own her mouth. She wants to declare good and evil. She wants to decide what is good. She wants to decide what is evil. She wants to decide what's going to be vile and what's going to be honored. What's going to be honored and what's going to be vile. She thinks she's got that ability, that right, that power to declare what is good and to declare what is evil. But God has never given us that. He said for us not to touch it, to leave it alone. He gave us everything else. One tree and said, leave this alone. Deciding good is up to me. Declaring what is evil is up to me. Truth is in my hands. You leave it alone. You can have everything else. Everything else is yours. You can, you can even name the animals. Name them what you want. Adam named them what he wanted and what he said they were. That is what they were called. Everything else is yours, but truth is mine. Leave it alone. And as long as they left it alone, there was wonderful relationship between themselves and wonderful relationship with the Lord and no shame, no fear, no guilt, no worry, no anxiety if they just let truth be in God's hands where truth belongs. If they just let the knowledge of good and evil remain with the only one who can handle it. With the only one who can hold it, everything else was okay. But as soon as they took it for themselves, as soon as they laid hold of it and said, my mouth is my own, I will speak my truth. We started down the path where what is honored, where what is honored becomes vile, and what is vile becomes honored. And it quickly happened, very quickly happened, to where God looked down on man and said, it's evil everywhere. 
all the time. I can't find but one guy named Noah who is walking with me. Everyone else's heart is to do evil all the time. And God had to take us out. And then we had to get it going again. And he knew that our only hope was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in Christ Jesus, we find the revelation and the power and the ability to give truth back to God. To give our mouths back to God. And say, wait, 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 this is, this is, this thing's killing me, man. This thing is ruining my life. You have it. This mouth is yours forevermore to declare your goodness, to declare your praise, to worship you and bless you and exalt you and to proclaim your truth. This is why James says, this is why James says the tongue is so powerful. It, 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 it's it's it, like, a, like a little bit and it moves a great horse and a rudder moves a, a, a ship and a little spark sets a whole fire, a whole forest on fire. So powerful is the tongue and no one can tame it. No one can control it. Only in Christ Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, can our tongues bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, and proclaim Him and exalt Him and glorify His name and proclaim His truth. That's why He says, not, that's why he says brothers, there shouldn't be cursing and blessing coming out of the same mouth that has been turned over to the Lord. We've got to get back into the garden, if you will. Back into sweet relationship with the Lord. Back into wonderful fellowship with one another. And that only happens when we give Him back the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When we lay down our mouths, we give truth back to God and we say, you decide. You tell us what's vile. You tell us what we should honor, and we will honor what you say to honor, and we will oppose what you say is wicked and evil and vile. We will live by the flawless word of God that is like silver refined in a crucible seven times, purified, pure, and right, and just, and true. God has not given us the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Christ, he has still not given us the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He has allowed us access to the tree of the words of life, and we can eat from the words of life, which are Christ and Christ alone, which are truth. He has given us the choice. We can choose life or death, but he has not given us the ability to change life and death. If we choose death, we die. We can't choose death and say, oh, we're going to make it life. And we can't, we can't change life to death, and we can't change death to life. He's not given us that. He's given us the ability to choose if we want truth or not truth, but he can't, we can't change what is true and what is false. What he said is false is false. We can't change what is vile and make it right. What he said is vile is vile. We cannot shift it or change it. What is vile will destroy. It will destroy every time. We can't change it and begin to honor it and think that it's going to shift it and, and, and transform it and make it okay. This happens in the world. 
It's the world who says, we own our mouths. We are our masters. We will triumph with our tongue. We're going to be victorious with what we say. That's the world who does that. The church, the people of God, we have humbled ourselves. We have given God our mouths. We have given back to Him truth. We have turned from wickedness. That is what that turning from wickedness looks like is we've turned away from being our own masters and owning our own mouths. We've given him back the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We say, we've made a mess of this. It's yours. It's yours. You now have my mouth. You are the one who determines truth. We as the church cannot fall into the trap of owning our mouths, proclaiming our own truth. We cannot fall into the trap of abandoning what God says and and embracing the culture and applauding what is vile, what, what, what what should not be honored to honor. We, the people of God, need to have more wisdom than this. We, the people of God, whose eyes have been opened, who have the light of Christ within us, we need to recognize what is false and vile and destructive, and we need to recognize what is life-giving and holy and true. We, the people of God, the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we got to turn away from wickedness. we got to turn away from the declaration of, I own my mouth. I speak truth. I declare truth. I speak my truth. We got to lay our mouths down. We've got to humble ourselves, surrender ourselves, turn to Jesus and hand him truth and say, say, you are Lord and master and I am not. You have the words of life and I do not. You remember, you remember John six sixty six, which is the number of the Antichrist, by the way, 666 where many people turned away from Jesus because what he was saying didn't line up with what they were saying. But when Jesus looked at Peter and his disciples and said, what are you guys going to do? What did Peter recognize? What did he recognize? He recognized not only that Jesus was the Son of God, but he recognized that Jesus possesses the words of life. He said, you alone have the words of life. Where am I going to go? Where are we to go? There's nowhere else to go. You hold truth and you alone hold truth. We the people of God who are called by his name. We surrender ourselves, humble ourselves. We give God our mouth and we give him truth. And we declare that he is master and Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we see what is happening in our culture It's nothing new. All the way back to the Garden of Eden. That ancient serpent, that destructive dragon, Satan the devil, is still trying to get us to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To still try and own our mouths and own truth and be our own master and decide for ourselves what is right and wrong, wicked and just, evil, righteous, good, 
and evil, what is, what is true and false. Still trying to get us to do that, Lord, but, but we are no longer people of this world. We are the people of God. We have run to take hold of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who alone possesses the words of life. And we declare this morning that Jesus is our Master, our Lord, and our Savior. And that He has the words of truth. And we will speak, but when we speak, it will be the truth of Jesus. And we will speak, but it will be to declare the name of Jesus. And we will speak, but it will be to praise Him and to exalt Him and to glorify Him and to declare that He alone is worthy and just and true and mighty and holy and awesome. Lord, we pray right now that You would stir up the lukewarm church in the United States of America to surrender their mouths to You, to surrender good and evil to You, to surrender all of their lives to you and to declare, Lord Jesus, you have my mouth, you have my tongue, you are my master. I will declare the flawless word of the Lord. I will proclaim your truth. I will worship and exalt your mighty name. Lord, stir up your people right now who are called by your name. Stir us to humility. Call us to prayer. Call us back into, into seeking your face, into strolling through the garden with you on the cool of the day with no shame. Hallelujah. Lead us to turn from wickedness. Lead us to walk in righteousness. And we pray, Lord, that as we do, that you'd come and do a miracle in our land and that you'd come and bring healing to our country. Let us be a light, a city shining on a hill to the whole world, proclaiming that there is life and truth and freedom and salvation found in Christ and in Christ alone. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just ask you this morning, if you've not declared with your mouth that I am no longer my master and that now Jesus is master of my life, that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Scripture says that if we will believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths and cry out to him for salvation, that we will be saved. And if you've not done that, I just want to pray with you this morning. I just ask that you just repeat after me. And let's just surrender ourselves to Christ. Declare Him Lord and Master. Let's give Him our lives. Let's give Him our mouths. Repeat after me, please. Pray with me, please. Lord Jesus, I know that You are the only begotten Son of God. That You alone have the words of life. Jesus, I hear you knocking and I open my heart and I ask you to come into my life. Be my Savior.
Be my Lord. Be my master. Take control of my mouth. I declare that from this day forward, you will be my forever passion. And my mouth will only praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen.